0: Welcome folks to tonight's session. Uh, Tonight, we are going to be dealing with a topic entitled, Who Influences You? And I want us to go and have a look in the Old Testament, because I think it's really important that we get this particular topic sorted out and under our belt. Because I think a lot of people are actually compromising in their own life without even realizing it. And then you look again and it's to your own detriment. So I want us to go and have a look at something very interesting. And I'm going to really take some time um, with regards to where we're going with tonight. Because I believe that this can change your destiny. It can change the course of your life. And it can change everything that God had intended for your life. You could miss it simply by hanging out to the wrong people. Now, I want us just to look at something quickly. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 6 to 9. Now, before I get into this, I want to just give you a bit of history. I don't have time to read the whole story of Joshua. Now, how many of you know that Joshua was very close to Moses? And so God had said that when Moses died, Joshua was to take over. Now one of the reasons why Joshua was to take over was, remember that every time Moses went up to the mountain, Joshua would wait for him halfway up the mountain. And so Joshua was really like a spiritual son to Moses. And he really tried to follow Moses and do whatever he could to please Moses and be there with Moses. And so when the time came that Moses died, Joshua took over. Now what happened was, Joshua then decided, listen, I'm going to lead these people. But remember that Moses had sent out the twelve tribes. And they came back with that report, remember? There were ten against two. And there was Joshua and there was Caleb waiting on the good report. The had said, listen, it's impossible. You know, We are but grasshoppers in our sight, and so are we in their sight. So I want you to understand something, that it was the majority ruled. Now what is really sad was the Bible says that when they saw the fruit, when they saw what had come out of Canaan, and they decided, listen, it is too much effort to do it, they actually wept and cried and lamented because they knew that they weren't going to get there. Now let me tell you something. Two guys had the right heart. Do you agree? I'm just giving you a quick history lesson here. Alright? Joshua and Caleb had the right heart. Now what was Caleb's response the minute he heard that they were going into Canaan? Now I just want to back up quickly. How long... Did Joshua and Caleb have to wait before they were allowed to go into the promised land? 40 years. Why? Because God had said, listen, because you did not obey me and just go in, and you sat down and believed the report of the 10 spies who said that it was impossible, you are all going to die off in this wilderness. And the 40 years was a time when everybody had to die and a new generation had to take its place. Now you must know, for 40 years, Joshua and Caleb were literally waiting and counting down the minutes to say, Come on, those 40 years, let hurry up, we want to get going. Because God had given a clear timing as to how long it was. Now what was very interesting was this, was that remember, that when they went into the promised land, that generation that was going in with them, had never seen a city before. Remember that generation, they were born in the wilderness. They had to wait, because remember God says, I'm going to kill this entire generation, the next generation go in. So they did not know any, not have a clue, on how to run a country, how what buildings were, what, you know, stuff was, all they had was desert tent and manna. And so here they come in, and they're going in with Joshua and with Caleb. Now I want you to see something that was very critical here. Caleb's response was, Joshua, give him a mountain. Remember that when he went in and spied it out, he had gone in already and he said, Listen, I want this piece of ground. So he already came back and he said to Joshua, Joshua, give me a mountain. I know that the Anakim are there. cause a tribe. I know the Anakim are there. But maybe the Lord will be with me as he was with Moses and I can go and conquer them. But he says, I'm as fit as I was then for war, for going in and for coming out. So Caleb's whole approach was, man, I'm ready. I've waited 40 years. I have separated myself and I'm ready for this. And I'm going to go and clap these guys. And I haven't changed my view, just like I was when I started this walk. I wanted you to see something that happens with Joshua now. Joshua walks into the promised land. And so what does God say? I want you first to go and take on Jericho. Go conquer Jericho and everybody knows the story. But what is interesting was this. He says, when you go and take on Jericho, I don't want you to take any of the spoils for yourself. I want you to give those spoils to my house first. Okay? So he had to give all the spoils to the church the temple, to the tabernacle, whatever they were busy moving around with. And so one guy decided he's going to keep something for himself. So what was the result? The second battle, remember the rule was, we are going to go into the promised land and we are going to conquer all these nations. But once your territory has been conquered, you've got to help everybody else until we've conquered the entire nation, and then you can go back to your house which is yours, which has been allocated to you. Okay? So everybody had to help everybody else. The problem is, they get to the second battle, and the next second they lose the battle. They lose the battle. Why? Because the one guy had taken some of the loot. And he had hidden it. Okay? And so, because he disobeyed God, they lost the second battle. But now, this is so, so important. I want you to see what Joshua says. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. In other words, the whole day he sat there weeping. Both he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over to Jordan at all? To deliver us to the hand of the Amorites? To destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. So yeah, he's moaning. He's groaning and he's giving God a mouthful. He's saying, God, why did you even bother to bring these people into the promised land? I mean, as if it was a lot better eating mammon on the other side. Okay? O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it, and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. In other words, eradicate us. Then what will you do for your great name? So he says, now listen, what about your great name? If we die, you're worth nothing because you're a liar. How's that for spewing out some grief? But I want to show you something that is critical in this thing. I want to take you to this sentence. Verse 7. Why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites and to destroy us? Okay. Okay. So it's a concept of we're coming out and now we're in a bad place. I want us to go back to Numbers chapter 21 verse 5. I want you to see something here. This is where they had come out of Egypt. And remember they got to the place where there was no water. And they were busy moaning to Moses. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. So now they're both moaning at God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food, no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread, this manna that we're eating. Now can you see that Joshua repeats exactly the same thing later on when it gets tough? Do you see that? I want to tell you right now, it is critical that we catch this. For 40 years, While Joshua was waiting, even though he was close to God, and he was the right man for the job, he started to get influenced by the people around him. So that when the first battle comes that he did not win, he starts moaning just like they had said. From the time that he moaned, from when the first time that it happened, was a very long time. Because that thing could have been 80 odd years, 60 odd years difference. But because he was hanging around them so much, he got influenced by them and became a mindset in his heart. So that when the people grumbled as a group and said, why did you take us out of Egypt to come and let us die in the wilderness? He had the exact same heart when he was losing the battle. He said, God, why did you take us out of the wilderness to come and die in the promised land? It was better that we stayed in the, in the desert. Now I understand to some degree why the, uh, why the Israelites had a problem in the wilderness. Because they did not understand freedom. They did not understand to be free and make your own decisions. You know, they were so used to having a boss telling them what to do. Remember they were slaves. So a lot of them were told, you better go and do this, go fetch that. They were so used to being given orders. But now they're in the wilderness and they're actually free. People can't handle freedom. That's why they said, we'd rather go back and let them just tell us what to do and we get our food and everything's fine. But Joshua had no excuse. Joshua had been to the promised land. He had seen what God had said. In fact, he was the one who came with a good report. Instead of going like Moses did and said, God, why is there problems? Where's the sin in the camp? What is going on? Remember that the response to God after this thing when they attacked Moses was that God sent snakes out to go and bite a whole lot of the people. A whole stack of people died because they started to turn against God and Moses. But yeah we see Joshua makes a fatal mistake. He ends up the exact same place as the people. Eventually God just rebukes him. and says, what on earth are you putting your face in the dust for? Stand up, man. There's sin in the camp and God starts dealing with him very harshly. But the point is this. Whoever you hang around, you're going to become like. And no matter how much you think you can change that, it is not going to happen. I want us to look at David's life quickly. David, in Psalm one, i I'm going to give you some psalms here that David wrote. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful. I want you to look at that very carefully. You do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. What is that? Somebody who has got natural wisdom. There they are men and women who will give you good advice, but it's not God's advice. And it doesn't mean in the counsel of that, listen, the counsel is you must go and have an affair. Or the counsel is you must go and commit murder. That's not counsel. The counsel of the ungodly is somebody who's relying on their natural senses. Somebody who's relying on their education and on their intelligence. The Bible says that your natural mind, the carnal mind, is enmity against God. It fights against God. And yet we see education as the highest form of leadership in a nation. Education is not your highest form at all. Spirit-led is the highest form. Knowing what God wants, knowing when God wants it, and knowing what God wants us to do next. So I want you to see that blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. So many times people have a very right intention and a right motive, but the wrong advice. Nor stands in the path of sinners. Now there you're sitting down in a situation where I'm hanging out with people who are actually doing stuff wrong. Nor sit in the seat of the scornful. What does that mean? Have you ever met people that are permanently scornful? They're permanently running down people. They're permanently saying something about others. I want to tell you right now, you stay away from people like that. That is going to influence you, and you are going to be like that very quickly. Have you noticed with young people, particularly when they hang out, and especially when they're good friends with somebody for a long time, they start speaking the same way. You know, they catch something. I mean, there's been people who've been hanging out with me for years, and they still don't like marshmallows. There is something seriously wrong with my influence. I'm telling you, I really would have thought after all these years I would have affected a few guys. But what can I say? Get me converted. Psalm 101, verse 1 to 8. I sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. In other words, here's David saying, I'm trying my best to be godly. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. That's quite hectic to say, listen, I want to make sure that I don't see anything wicked. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him will I destroy. How's that? If he secretly slanders his neighbor, David says, I'm going to kill him. How many people do you know that is actually slandering somebody else? And they don't know about it. Let me tell you something. David was really trying to stand for righteousness. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure, my eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, and they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. In other words, David was looking even the people around him he says they are going to make sure that these people are people of integrity. Even the people who are serving him, who are close to him, he made sure that they carried a similar heart, made sure they were pure. Why did David do that? Because the people around him will eventually influence you. Even if you are the boss and you've got employees, eventually somebody's going to say something that you are going to consider. So he says, listen, only those who walk in a perfect way will come and serve me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. Any person who has a deceitful heart or some sort of unjust thing in their heart they will not be part of my house they will not be near me he who tells lies shall not continue in my presence Can you see? David was very strong with this. He said, listen, I need people who speak the truth, who word is their word, the yes is the yes. They don't lie, they're not deceptive, they don't have wickedness in their heart, they have a pure heart. And it wasn't because David didn't want to to associate with anybody that had some sort of sin in his life. He just did not want to be influenced by anybody around him. Because remember that this becomes your inner circle. So David said, within my inner circle, there's going to be nobody of impurity. Because I need to keep my heart clean. I need to stay faithful to God. And he worked very hard at this thing. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Psalm 119 verse 115, Depart from me, you evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. So, yeah, I wanted you to see something. David does not take the same approach like Joshua. Joshua was just hanging out with the people, and eventually his heart got tainted that he was such a strong, sincere guy. I mean, God gave him the nation. And he performed the miracle of crossing the Jordan River. Remember when they came in? He crossed it just like the Red Sea. He put out the rod. It parted. They went through just like it happened with Moses. And yet, the influence had got to him to the point when the battle was on, he started to speak the wrong stuff, just like the ones that had influenced him. I want to tell you right now, we have got to watch who is influencing us. God wants us to move forward. I want to tell you something that this thing is so strong that it can actually stop your call. It can stop everything that God has on your life if you are hanging out with the wrong people. And I don't mean going into the world and going into a pub or a bar, wherever it is, to sit down and say, listen, I'm here to bring the light, I'm here to befriend somebody and help them. I'm talking about your inner circle, your close friends. Are the guys around you building you up and bringing you to a place of destiny? Or are they sitting talking negative about everybody else? What does your close circle look like? Because if your close circle has got negative people in it, people that are permanently slandering or lying or backbiting or something, it's not going to be long and you're going to be influenced. And it's going to make some critical setbacks in your life. If it could happen to Joshua, I can promise it's going to happen to you. Where does it leave us today? What does the New Testament say about this? Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Write this, this is the the main scripture for tonight. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits or good morals. What does it mean? It means that if you hang out with the wrong person, you are going to be influenced. You are going to be influenced. But do not the worst is, it says don't be deceived. How many Christians sit down and say, listen, I'm hanging around that person to fix it. I'm hanging around that person to change them or change the environment. Let me tell you something, you can change that person if you are radically on fire for God. But that means that you have got to spend time with God every single day. Two, three hours a day. Make sure you carry an anointing because the anointing breaks the yoke, not your friendship. And so, if you are not spending the hours before God to carry that anointing, to break that thing off that person, you are not going to change them. You are not going to influence them. They are going to start influencing you without you even realizing it. I have seen it happen so many times. Do you know that I have sat down and I have been listening to people and as I have been going, it is amazing when somebody comes with a negative report, how fast people climb in and agree. It is absolutely amazing. I would sit down and go, listen, we're going this way and everybody starts fighting. And they go, no, well, we don't agree. And they just want to go the negative route. I'm telling you right now, you have got to be very selective as to who's in your house. What does it mean? Who's in my inner circle? Who's close to me? And don't be deceived. I've got some people who even go as fast to say, listen, I'm going to marry an unsaved person because I know that they are going to be saved. They're going to be influenced. I'm telling you what. Then we sit down with the marriage problems second to none. Because the partner says, well that's it, I'm married now, you will do what I say. You will not go to church, you will not do this, you will not do that. Because now the rules change, especially if you're the woman that was born again. Because now you've got to be submissive to your husband. The Bible says in Peter that you've got to act as submissive as a perfect wife so that you could lead him to the Lord simply by your good deeds which means if he says don't go to church you don't go to church so you must understand something there is a huge deception around this thing where we think that we are stronger than what we really are You know, many of us can sit down and say, listen, I know the word, I know the word, I've had it for years. Let me tell you something, I'm telling you right now, that word, unless you are activated in it every single day, I'm telling you right now, one day you are going to get weak in it, and you are going to fall. You are going to be influenced. And one decision can change your entire destiny. So I want you to be very aware, Of who you are allowing into your inner circle. Who you are sitting down and hanging out with. And make sure that they are men and women in the word. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 11. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. So in other words, if they are born again. Okay? Do not keep company if they're born again, who is sexually immoral. In other words, if you know the guy's having an affair or sleeping around, you do not have them as a friend. That's harsh. Some of us are going to have to cancel out a few of our friends, especially in today's society. And everybody's going, well, we'll just hang out there, we're fine, we'll just do that. Make sure you stick to the word. God is very clear. If you are born again, you do not hang out with Christians who are sleeping around. You can fight with God, this is what God says. Or covetousness. The guy that wants everything, that just wants greed and is now hungering after somebody else's stuff. Or an idolatry or a reveller, or a drunkard. You know, everybody thinks it's fun when a guy is sitting down falling all over the place. No, the problem with being drunk is the fact that if you don't have control, something else can have control over you. So be careful. Or an extortioner. Alright, not even to eat with such a person. Paul's very strong with this stuff. But the church has got this thing so watered down, it goes, well, you can do whatever you want, you can go, you know, you just get born again and you can carry on sinning, it's fine, grace covers it all, you know. I've heard the latest one the other day, you know, you don't even need to have faith, you can just use Jesus' faith. I want to tell you right now, guys, There are certain things that we need to get right in the church. We need to start coming back into the thing of saying, I believe the word of God and I'm going to do what God says. I believe that God's word is there to protect me. And if God says that if I know that my brother is busy doing these things, I'm not going to hang around with him. Why? Because that is going to influence me somewhere. I want you to know this is very important. And then, Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. But we command you, brethren... Now, this is not a request. Okay? I want you to see that this is a very strict command that Paul's giving here. We command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from any brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which you received from us. In other words, anybody who is born again, it's not talking about the unsaved. Okay, the unsaved we know need to be loved and cared for until they get born again. Then they need to clean up the act. You see, we are sitting down and saying, this new Christianity that we've got, anything goes. As long as you have Jesus added to the mix. I'm telling you right now, scripturally it's not true. There's a lot of Christians that are sitting down, that are busy speaking bad about people, that are busy running people down. God is going to curse them with that. Do you know why? Because the Bible says, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Do you know this thing of the wheel turns? Do you know that saying, the wheel turns? I actually like that saying because it's very true. I want you to get a picture of a wheel turning in front of you. And as it turns, I want you to see on the one hand... Alright, if there's spokes now, on the one side, you're busy giving in. As it turns and comes back, it starts giving back. See, I'm giving out condemnation, criticism, speaking about people, slander, you know, I'm holier than you, everything else. It goes around and suddenly it all gets poured back. The Bible says, to the measure that you give, it will be returned to you. So measure that I give, I'm going to get. So if you're suddenly getting this favor, this unity, this harmony, all sorts of things happening in your life, you better ask yourself, what have I been sowing? Have I been sowing slander? Have I been sowing Skinner? I'm so tired of the church of Jesus Christ gossiping about one another. Instead of praying, genuinely praying for one another. And standing together and saying, what can I do to help you brother? So I want to tell you right now, your influence will determine your destiny. Your inner circle will determine where you are going. And you know the other problem with some of the people that we have in our influence sphere, is some of them are limited. You can only grow to the level that somebody else has grown ahead of you. What do I mean by that? If somebody around you has not reached higher goals than you have, I'm telling you right now, you're going to think you can't get there. People are going to go to the max, and they're going to plateau, and they're going to go, well, this is as far as we can go. This is as far as we can believe God for. This is as far our faith goes. I want to tell you, if God has called you for something big, you better start hanging around some big thinkers. You better start hanging around men and women that have got faith to push that thing through and say, come, we might not be there, but we're walking this road together in Jesus' name. We are going to pull this thing down and we are going to see the victory in the name of Jesus. You see, if you're not hanging around people like that, how on earth are you going to get to your destiny? So I want to challenge you tonight. Evaluate your circle. Evaluate who your closest friends are. Because they are going to determine how far you go with God. No matter how strong you think you are, when two or three start coming at you, you start considering your close friends. Come on, there's many times when you're not sure what to do. Come on, what do we do? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Come on, have you ever done that? What are you actually doing? you know what you're doing when you ask that? You are actually becoming very carnal. What do I mean? We are relying on our experience, or our natural wisdom, or our intellect, and we're actually doing it from a carnal point of view. We are not actually sitting down and saying, would you pray with me, let's hear the word of the Lord on this thing. Or, have you gone and fasted and prayed and come back with an answer so that we can both agree or disagree with it? See, what we do is when we ask opinion, we're actually asking from a carnal point of view. That's why it's very difficult for me to sit down and tell somebody what to do. See, there was a situation that happened and arose um, in my, my dad's situation. And my dad was busy with something and he was asking everybody, asking everybody and carrying on. And I did not give an answer or opinion. I just said, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Because I need to line up or believe God with him or whatever he wants. The one morning he woke up and he told me something. I said, well, do you realize that that's the word of the Lord? Then he went and to go try it out and, that and they said, no, it can't be done and that. Now he came back today and he said, listen, I'm going to go back to the original thing that was in my heart. Now what does that mean? It means that when God speaks, God knows better than everybody else. We need to go and ask God for godly wisdom. And when we go for counsel, it is godly counsel. It is godly counsel. When I go for somebody for counsel, I go, listen, I need you to fast and pray with me for three days before opening your mouth. And when three or four or five guys do that, and we come together we say, listen, we have prayed, we have sought God, this is what I'm feeling. What do you feel? What do you feel? Then it's an agreement in the Spirit because we've heard God. It is not an opinion. So I want to tell you right now, our church life is full of opinion. And the Bible says, do not go with your carnal mind. Your carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not going to hold up. When you sit down and you look at Joshua's story, where did he go wrong? His first response was not to sit down and say, inquire of the Lord. Moses used to do that. Remember when any time something went wrong? What did Moses do? I'm up the mountain. What did Joshua do? He fell on his face and cried and lamented and was so sorry about the battle and woe is me, all is lost. You see, I want you to see, when you do stuff spiritually, there is a spiritual result. And we need to have a circle of friends, men and women, who are seeking God and spiritually tuned. I don't mind, I know certain men, I can ask them and say to them, listen, what do you think? And they'll come to me and say, I haven't got a word of the Lord. Or they'll say, listen, I really sense the Lord is saying this right now. Well, how do I know they're going to be right? Because they've spent two hours a day in prayer. I know that every morning I can't get a hold of the guy because he's in prayer. you understand? If he comes and tells me something, I'm going to Listen. Because I know that he's heard God. But I want to go back to our key scripture. Just remember this. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company is going to corrupt good habits. Hang around people that are not serving God, whether they're Christian or non-Christian. If they're not genuinely obeying the Lord, they're not genuinely seeking God, they're not genuinely taking time out to have a quiet time with God, I'm telling you right now, they are going to influence you in a negative way, one way or another. And I'm just scared that you get to the place where your entire destiny is formed by their opinion. And you don't want to get up One day before God, and God goes, why didn't you do this? And you go, "Uh, uh, uh, well, our gang said this. That's not an excuse. Or, my faith wasn't strong enough to get there. God's going to go, well, why did you hang out with people who didn't have faith? You know, I'm very concerned with a lot of Christians' faith level. I go there and I sit down, I just hear negativity, I hear how everybody's sick, how bad things are, how wonderful the doctors are. I'm not hearing, God is going to heal me in Jesus' name. Well, I'm in a battle, I'm going to stand, I'm going to fight, help me fight. That's the stuff that should be coming out of our mouths. I'm in a battle, come and help me. No, I hear, no, well this is just how life is, let's just all get into a real ditch. Guys, If you hang around people like that, it's not long. And then the problem is, if you do decide to stand up, they are like a crab mentality. They will turn on you. They will start pulling you down and bringing you right back to their level. Because they don't want you to get somewhere because they're going to be jealous of you. So right now, it is critical that you evaluate who you're with. And make sure... That your influence sphere is godly men and women, men who can turn things, who can trust God, who can fight with you, and that you can fight with them when they need it. The Bible says everybody is going to have an evil day, but when that evil day comes you 're going to need somebody to be there with you. So I want us to evaluate where we are at tonight. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You that Your Word is true. Lord, that You have got a plan and a purpose for each one of us in Jesus' name. I pray right now that we will not be the same again in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, that we will evaluate who is influencing our lives. Lord, any person who is not godly, any person who does not carry faith, any person who does not bring me to a higher level of destiny, of purpose, and is pushing me to obey the Word. Lord, I thank You that I am going to be like Caleb. Lord, that is so strong and ready for war. Lord, that I'm not going to be influenced like Joshua did who sat down and said, woe is me when the battle comes. Lord, I thank You that You are going to stir us up as men and women who are going to sit down and take that mountain in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that You are going to surround us with men and women who are godly, who are faith people, fearing God at every step and obeying the Word in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I thank You that from today our destiny changes Changes. Lord, our future changes and we are set free of this doubt and unbelief and negativity in the name of Jesus. Lord, we repent tonight of every negative word that has come out of our mouths in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that we will change our circle and we will make sure that those around us are godly men and women who are there to help us in Jesus' name. I thank you that you're going to bring us to our destiny. You're going to bring us to our purpose and Lord, we are going to fulfill everything that you've Told us to do. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you folks for listening to today's message. I trust that you are blessed by it. If you would like to receive these message links directly to your phone, please WhatsApp me on my direct number 659 two four. or if you have any questions that I might be able to help you with. And remember that we've got many many other resources available for you. So please have a look at our website www.fathersheart.co.za www.fathersheart.co.za subscribe to our podcast by going to iTunes and search for Arthur Frost and subscribe to my sermons podcast. May we be richly blessed as we apply the truth of God's word as he reveals it to us. Many blessings and God bless.